Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. This is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I'm here with Christy Jones. We're going to get into this topic about accountability in sales. And I think that this is one of the most important themes when it comes to sales leadership, because there's this idea of always taking ownership, always taking accountability for actions, whether one might not feel like they're actually their fault. Now, sometimes things are not our fault, but there's a certain mindset here that I think we need to get into. So Christy is the expert on this. Uh, Christy, if you could just start with a short bio, just uh, and then let's get into the topic. Absolutely, Ruben. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, I am a sales strategist, sales consultant, mostly working with software companies in order to help them formalize and improve sales process, sales strategy, and people. Um, as you mentioned, as a result of that, I spend a lot of time doing some executive coaching around the topic of creating a sales accountability culture. And so um, I very bluntly say to people who hire me that um, your check's going to cash one way or the other, but you might as well get your money's worth. Um, but if I come in and I put sales strategy and sales process together, provide sales coaching for your team, and then you don't hold anybody accountable to what we've done, then, you know, again, I've got a child without a state tuition, so I'm happy to take your money, but you won't recommend me <laughs> to anybody else and you won't have gotten your money's worth. So I, I think this is the big missing piece. And I do think it's a sales strategy. I think people think it's tied to culture. And, and I do think there's a cultural piece to it, but I think it's a sales strategy. And without it, I don't think you're going to drive as much revenue. I don't think you're going to attract top talent. I don't think you're going to keep that top talent. Now, one of the things that, that I think about uh, on this topic is this idea of how, how empathy, compassion, accountability and motivation can all fit within the same salad bowl here. You know, sometimes in my experience, when I think about accountable you know, teams that are salespeople that are that are held accountable. It's a grind. You know, there's a certain requirement. There's KPRs. Did you did you smile and dial today? Did you make your calls? Did you get your bookings? You know, and some of those things they they actually demotivate some people. Some people they motivate. So how do we how do we kind of mix all of these things to ultimately get the highest amount of productivity and happiness? Yeah, I mean, the ultimate goal is that your employees will hold each other accountable, and this will no longer become your responsibility. So you know you've created a culture of accountability when everyone holds everyone else accountable, no matter what department you're in, no matter what you're doing. And so that's the that's how you know you've arrived. But until then, sales leadership or leadership in general needs to be involved. And so first and foremost, we can't hold people. It's not fair to hold people accountable to things we didn't tell them we were going to hold them accountable to. Mm. And so first and foremost, we need to set expectations. And that can be, and I tell founders, I said, you know, that's everything from, um, how do I like to be communicated with as the leader? You know, do I prefer email? Do I prefer Slack? Do I prefer text messages or phone calls? Like, how should we communicate with each other most effectively? Um, I have expectations like I expect you to be on time for meetings. And so if you're not going to be on time for a meeting, I need you to let me know that. But I, my expectation is everybody's running a tight calendar, particularly now that we're home. And so we're going from one Zoom meeting to the other and everything needs to start and stop on time. So it's everything from how many calls you make a day to also things like um, ethics, right? Integrity and ethics issues. What are my expectations about you not damaging my brand 
you know, the brand name, those type of things. So I think it's a lot of things that people don't think about right now. I'm talking to, to leaders about making sure that they set expectations around work schedule, right? Because maybe, maybe eight to five isn't what we're working anymore. Or maybe you've got employees again who are homeschooling still or have, you know, parents that they're taking care of that they brought into the house, you know, for reasons of the pandemic. So you got to cover everything. And the other thing I say recently is this is not a January 1st expectation meeting to December 31st expectation meeting. I'm asking people to do these quarterly. So once we've set the expectations, then we can start to talk about some other things too. Like, so what are the consequences of not hitting those? And when I have those meetings, so I just, um, I'm playing fractional sales leader with a client up in Madison, Wisconsin. And I held my expectation meeting this week with four of their sales reps, 20 minute meeting. What do I expect from you? And then what do you expect from us? So the other thing that a lot of sales leaders get wrong is this is a expectations is a two way street. I, as the employee also should have a right to ask you what can be expected. What do I want in return? You know, and this week I heard everything from, I'd like to attend an in industry conference to, I want more marketing support. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's a two way street and that's a negotiation. Um, but then, you know, what are the consequences for either of us not hitting those and what will we do? And I tell sales leaders, don't wait till it goes south to figure that out. Um, the question I ask around those expectations meeting is, what would you like me to do if you don't hold up your end of the bargain? Now, responsibility is the ability to respond and it, and it parlays directly into accountability. Accountability is just more a little bit about ownership. And the thing that I've always learned is that the people that are passionate about certain topics, certain fields, certain, you know, ideas, emotional, physical constructs, they might have come from a place in their life where maybe they, they didn't feel that, or maybe they were surrounded by people that didn't have those traits. And now they're sort of trying to correct it. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing that I always like to do in these conversations is I like to peel the onion back as far as I can to truly understand, you know, why you have a connection to accountability. Were you always an accountable person? What were no. you like? In, what were you like in college? What were you like in high school? You know, what made you so sensitive about this topic? Um, Ruben, don't like my parents would prefer that we not talk about my high school and college years. Um, it's a very sensitive topic for everyone. <laughs> and that makes me want to talk about it, of course. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, no, I, um, I have a very high risk profile personality. Um, and so um, I, I actually, interestingly enough, that's not necessarily, that part is true. I've always been a highly responsible person. I've always been a fairly high, a highly accountable person to myself. Um, I have also been a very um, consistent rule breaker. Um, I am definitely an ask for forgiveness instead of permission person. And I had started that at a pretty early age. Mm. I'll tell you what got me into the accountability culture uh, passion project, if you will, was the day I walked into um, a SaaS company that I was the sales leader at and running 100% of the revenue. So not just net new business, but also the renewable business and uh, fired three employees one by one as they walked in the door all before 9 a.m. And that was um, a result of me not creating an accountability culture. I didn't know at the time that was the reason. Um, I knew that I had let the top three sales revenue generators, by the way, so these were, these were my A players. Um, I had let the inmates sort of take over the asylum, if you will. And I was being held hostage to people and demands and work ethics and work um, strategies based on the fact that they knew they had sort of us over a barrel from a revenue perspective. 
Mm -hmm. um, and the owner of that company, like it had been going on for a while. We had some conversations and finally he said to me, I think it's time to part ways. And I was like, and that was like, a, like I only had eight sales reps, like three out of eight, really? <laughs> like all in the same day. Um, and so, you know, you, those are sleepless nights, right? And then sick to your stomach as people are walking in and having conversations. And, and I'm a, I'd always been a very strong believer that termination should never come as a surprise to anybody, right? But I think we got into a place where we did not had not been holding people accountable to the standards of which we expected and we allowed things to go on that should not have been going on. And from that day forward, I vowed that that would never happen again. Like I would never, I was never gonna live through that again. That was the most awful sales leader experience in my life, in my career, and it, and it has been to this day. And that was over, that was 15 years ago. Mm. Um, and so I spent a lot of soul searching, right? And figuring out what happened, only to realize that I had not set proper expectations. I wasn't holding anybody accountable to anything but revenue. And so it's not just always revenue that we want, like, like revenue can't be the only expectation. You have other expectations of people, but you're probably not laying those out. Mm. Now, when I when I think about this topic, you know, I think of for us as a business, there's there's a couple of metrics that we have which are which are critical metrics for us. There's month over month growth, there's lifetime value, there's customer acquisition cost, there is um, you know, overall happiness rate, right? Which which I think parlays into our churn rate, attrition rate. So these are some of the metrics that I think about. Uh, but I also think about, you know, brand. I think about how are we building a successful brand? And a lot of those metrics, you don't they're not numbers, you know, they're they're very emotional, right? So on one hand, you know, if I find myself leaning into too many of the KPIs and the metrics, I feel like I might let go of some of the other opportunities. Now, my question for you is, how do we find that balance? How do we find that balance of here are the financial realities, mm -hmm. but then here is a softer brand uh, essence feeling that we're driving towards? Yeah, that's the most challenging thing, right? That's subjective. And subjective is, you know, subjective accountability is really hard. But I think you know it when you feel it or see it, and then you need to say something. And again, these aren't harsh conversations. These are seek to understand conversations, as I call them. So manage through questioning. So, hey, listen, that just didn't feel right to me. And maybe I'm not even sure why it didn't feel right. But, you know, I sat in on a call or I sat in on a conversation or I had a call from a customer that, you know, that didn't go as well as it should have gone. Like you said, like happiness churn churn rate, um, you know, NPS, or, you know, NPS scoring. So, you know, when those kind of things happen, I think you have to sit down and have that conversation and say, hey, listen, like, I can't put a smart goal around this, but but I don't want to get these kind of phone calls. So from a, you know, from a good customer that, you know, we want referrals from or we want to be a reference. And so having those sit down conversations, but really seeking to understand and then setting something around that. Like, so if this situation happens again, how do we want to handle it this next time? Mm. How do I want to answer that question? How do I, you know, again, you know, customers always write versus, hey, listen, that's just not part of our scope or that's not part of our, you know, policies or procedures. And so those things are very delicate balances. But I think you have to take those on a case by case basis. And I think you'll know them when you see them. Mm. Now, you mentioned SMART goals. One of the things that we've implemented, um, or I should say we're trying to implement at Dub is this idea of OKRs, which is mm -hmm. objectives and key results. And this is something that I think, I, I don't know if Google uh, pioneered this, but they've definitely popularized this. They definitely have. 
Yeah, and and it's there's a lot of information on the, on the web about this yeah. OKRs, and it basically the essence of this is having here's our goals that are that are stretch goals. Like if our goal is to do you know fifty percent month over month revenue increase, let's shoot for a hundred, and if we end up at fifty, amazing. But then more importantly is about measurable results. Like how what are the things that I have to do? What are my what are my inputs in order to accomplish my outputs, and how how is there some numerical way to, to calculate those? What is your in your opinion? What is on a monthly quarterly basis? What are ways that teams can hold themselves accountable and frankly make the process fun? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I just came out of a sales meeting with that same client up in Madison, and everybody had a great week, like the most amazing week. All everybody you know had a win, had more than one win. And, you know, A, I, I always say success begets success. And so taking that responsibility and making sure that it gets, you know, pushed out and that everybody, you know, feels it. But one of the reps said, just the amount of activity going on this week motivated me. Mm. Right. And so, you know, setting up those, like, again, smart goals or KPIs. But the reason why, I mean, we're all working from home, right? The reason why that rep knew the activity was out of, was out of control, because we have a dashboard in the CRM system that told him that. Right. And so and people are looking at that dashboard and he was like, I made more calls this week than I was probably going to make when I saw that everybody else was making so many calls this week. Right. right? And I mean, and, and so did I have to set an activity goal for the week? Yeah, I mean, for the BDR, sure. I did set an activity goal for the week. But this came from an account executive who felt like he was behind because people were making so much so many calls and had so much activity going on. And why did he know that? Because I have an activity dashboard in the in the CRM system. And so. For sales leaders, I say, and I'm real serious about this, that you can manage your sales team to about 75% capacity, so to speak, through the CRM system. If you have set the expectation that CRM system is the single source of truth, that CRM hygiene is expected, um, and then you know, and then there's accuracy amongst that because I'm gonna spend 75% of my time managing through the CRM system and 25% of my time coaching what I see. Mm. Right. Pulling out the anomalies like, you know, I'm like, I don't like when I do pipeline, you know, I do one on one separate than pipeline review meetings. I believe those are separate meetings and I hold them separately. But I've already reviewed the pipeline before I come to the pipeline review meeting. And what I say to them is I want to know about this deal and this deal and this deal. Right. Because something in the notes like here, the first thing I do is I'm looking to make sure that there's a firm next action. If there's not a firm next action or the notes say check back with them in a couple of weeks. I'm like, oh, that's starting to be less active. <laughs> mm. So what's the strategy? Why wouldn't they set a firm appointment with you? Why don't we have goals for the next appointment? Why don't we have a firm calendar invite out? So you got to take that. You've got to take the technology that we have. I mean, I, I was on a um, networking, networking event last night here locally in St. Louis called Funders and Founders. And somebody said, how many on average software platforms is everybody using? And I heard everything from five to 12. And then I thought to myself, if you're using 12, are you really using 12? <laughs> right. Yeah. Are you really like, are you really getting benefit? Do you really know how? To, I mean, how did you even know how to use 12 as the sales leader to pull out the information that you need in order to coach your team? Yeah. Activity dashboards, um, micromanagement, um, having people feel empowered, inspired. You know, what are some ways that you might recommend? You know, one of the ideas that came to my mind in our in this conversation was having something in Slack, something that's a little bit more flexible, yep. where 
where people are actually, it becomes social. I think the problem with CRMs is that sometimes the information is not social. It's a manager sees right. that information and it becomes a micromanagement, i.e. we don't trust you potentially, right. not always, right. but potentially. Yeah. Whereas in a more collaborative environment, in a Slack or in, in something like that, then all of a sudden it becomes fun, all, maybe gamified, maybe competitive, mm -hmm. but more like just bringing spirits up. Um, what are some suggestions that you might give us on having that team accountability um, and, keep, and to keep us inspired? Well, we, we've attached the CRM system to Slack in this case, hmm. right? And so um, I had a sales rep close a deal last night. And like I said, success begets success. And I'm like, what's next? And she's like, this one came in this morning, right? And we were all, and again, pops into the Slack channel. Everybody gets to celebrate. We're all rah, rah. Um, and so we are using, you know, we have a hashtag sales, but we also have a hashtag wins, um, you know, room in the Slack channel. Um, and this client ironically um, sits across from the Capitol in Madison, Wisconsin and looks out the window. So when we were in the office, we had a what, what hashtag what's out the window. You know, and so people would post crazy things they saw going on at the Capitol. Um, again, <laughs> sometimes this last 12 months have been crazier than others, as you can imagine. Um, right. But I do agree with you. And I think it's been harder. Um, you know, when I held sales meeting this week, I believe that sales meetings should be training sessions. Um, and almost every one of my sales meetings has a training component to it. But things have been so exciting this week with so much activity and so many wins that I just did a once around the room, like, tell me what your tell me what your big win was this week and tell me what you're excited about for next week. And I just I I, uh, I slacked the founder afterwards and I said, I put on my short skirt and my pom pom um, and went to the sales meeting as the cheerleader because things have been so great. Like I didn't want to ruin the momentum or the morale or anything with anything that seems serious or training or any kind of even like tactical operational information. I literally, and it's, you know, normally an hour, we were in and out in 30, in 32 minutes. And I just said, have a great weekend. I just wanted to celebrate the great week. And I think you have to do that occasionally. Like I am the accountability chick, but like it was like, they held themselves accountable this week. And so I just wanted to celebrate everybody's success. Mm, nice. Very cool. Now on your website, you have the 2021, appreciate the updated <laughs> year there. <laughs> Uh, I the other day I went through our blog and I was like, God, there's like four blogs that have 2018 in them. There's a problem here. So appreciate this reboot. 2021 sales leaders checklist. Now, if you could just give us a quick high level on this, this sure. is available on your website, salesaccelerationgroup.com in the resources section if, if anyone's interested. But take us through this. Yeah, um, I wrote a blog post on this very um, topic at the end of last month. And really, like, these are just kind of the things that I think people need to be doing this year that they haven't potentially been doing. And, and as you can see right at the top, you know, a formal interview process. So one of the things I, you know, one of the things that's not happening is, you know, people are not consistent with their interview process. Not only is that putting you in legal jeopardy, it's not a fair apples to apples comparison with the candidates, right? So what is your formal interview process look like? It should be no different than the fact that you have a sales cycle, right? Or you have a sales process. So what's the formal interview process? Are we sure that we're asking, you know, accountability questions, behavioral based accountability questions that, again, I've got a sheet, a sheet about those questions on my website. My favorite, my favorite question right now is tell me about the last time that you missed your quarterly quota and what were the circumstances around that? So to your point, Ruben, earlier in the conversation, you said, are they going to be willing to take accountability and responsibility for their own actions? And that's a question that I asked to see. Are they going to blame their SDR, their territory, the economy? Or are they going to say, listen, I, again, the reason most people hit, miss their quota is they don't have enough in their pipeline. 
<laughs> so very basic. Um, again, I talk about the expectation meeting, right? So, um, you know, if you scroll down a little bit more, not only setting quota by not just a yearly quota, but monthly or quarterly. Um, and then I, you know, then I talk about reviewing what went well and what didn't go well last year, and then moving that right into the accountability, you know, the accountability conversation around expectations and accountabilities going into the next year. Um, I, and I really do think like we need to have those sit downs probably more often than we're doing that. Um, and I, and again, I, I put down here, you can see review what we can expect from them and what they can expect from us. Expe expectations and accountability is a two way street. And if you have a sales leader who's not willing, and if you as the sales leader can't look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm holding myself accountable, how on earth are you going to be holding anyone else accountable? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important that when we set expectations, we're not just we're not just coming from a place of micromanagement. We're actually coming from a place of here is the path. <laughs> and I think that when you look at this right, when you look at this from the perspective of of the team member, you know, if they did everything that the leader told them to do and they didn't accomplish something, Guess whose fault it is at that point? If they did the motions, if right. they took the swings and they showed up to practice and were yeah. in the games and they did not take those, you know, accomplish those goals, it goes back to the leader. It goes back to the process, to okay. the system, to the market. So it almost liberates us to to be in that type of a system to say, what are my expectations and and what do I need to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? So I think mm -hmm. that's I think that's a really good reminder for us here. Yeah, I mean, you can't, uh, you know, would be unfair for you to hold other people accountable if you are, you personally are unwilling to be held accountable. Yeah. Now, um, just to pivot the convo a bit, you know, Dub is a software SaaS company. We're used by 30,000 businesses. A lot of salespeople, mostly salespeople, are using video for prospecting and for client engagement and to get responses. You know, it's, it's become our passion. We're very passionate about this. And I always love to ask people, what are some of the successes that you've seen using video in the sales process, training, leadership, social? Yep, um, this was last week's training topic at sales meeting. So this is very timely for me as well. We're not using video. I, I still don't think we're using it often enough or strategically enough. Um, and so one of the things I said to the team was, I would be using video as like my follow up from a call, mm. right? So instead of putting everything in writing, why not again, make it more personal by, you know, just saying, Hey, Ruben, it was so great to talk to you today. I feel like the top three things that we discussed that, you know, we can help you solve are um, looking forward to meeting with you again on Wednesday after you've had a chance to talk to Susan and Tracy and get some more information about internal processes or whatever. And so like, you know, the quick follow up, um, I also think it's a great way to get what I call the, you know, the ghosting or the submarine prospects or clients back to the surface. <laughs> the so, submarine. I've not, I've heard ghosting a million times. I've never no, heard submarine. Before the ghosting term came around, I used to call them submarine. I'm like, they've gone under. They've gone under. <laughs> I'm like, they're under. And yeah, so I'm like, we need to bring those, like they need to pop back up to the surface, right? And sometimes- I, I, wanna, I wanna interject and I wanna tell you how I was a submarine and how someone salvaged me in a minute. <laughs> Um, but I mean, I think video is a great way to bring people back to the surface, right? I mean, I think when, when you see someone's face and you're like, hey, Ruben, like, thought, you know, thought we were friends and then you disappeared on me. Like, I really think, you know, again, I really think we can help you. What happened? Like, you know, what happened? 
When you that, were, that email must get really good responses. I thought we were friends. I thought we were friends. Like, you know, you hurt my feelings. Uh, I mean, right. you can't convey that over email, right? Like, right. that can't be right. conveyed over email. I mean, I have to put it my... Look, it looks like a copy and paste if you do. Right, I have to put my sad face on. If, you know, I got to, like, show my emotion. I'm like, you've hurt my feelings. Like, you know, I thought we were friends. So, you know, like... So I think there's a lot of ways other than just outbound prospect. I think people got you know hooked on the outbound prospecting video strategy. And I'm like, there's so many other ways where it can be impactful. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, I, and I think you're like throughout the sales cycle and then during the you know submarine event. Right. So tell me your submarine story. Okay, so someone's trying to sell me something uh, centered around uh, travel vacation and I, I got busy. I was interested, you know, I had trust issues. Um, I had some uncertainty. I like what I'm being told, interested, um, obviously busy. And I, I ghosted, I ghosted the salesperson. So two, three, I'm talking to the wife. Hey, what do you think? You know, just getting a little bit of pushback. And then anytime I feel like I'm selling something to my wife, I'm like, I don't, I actually should not buy this if I'm becoming the salesperson. Cause then it's just like, I wanna, I'm, it's just like a challenge for me. So then I just, I, I undersell it, like I desell it. But anyways, where I'm going with this is that I became a submarine to the salesperson and three text messages, three emails consistently. Yeah. No, no videos at all. I've never seen this person. I have no connection to them. That seems just, like a big miss, right? For you. They're just words. And it's like, the CEO of a software sales video right. company to not right. get a video. It, it's, it's crazy to me sometimes. I'm like, why don't you do it? But I don't, right. you know, someone doesn't, I can't take the, I can take the horse water. I can't make the horse drink. But anyways, okay. where I'm going with this is that this salesperson sent an email. Okay. And the email that they sent said this, they said, I'm going to go ahead and close your file. It seems like the timing is not right. Uh, please feel free to circle back and we can rediscuss terms at that point. And, and I responded to them <laughs> and I said, no, 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 don't close my file yet. Don't, it, there was something, it was a breakup email, right? It was, it was the Dear John email. Mm -hmm. So Dear yeah. email. Mm -hmm. Right. So <laughs> these, these emails, I think if they're genuine, if they're authentic, I think that if there's the human element, you know, where, you know, empathy gets elicited, yep. then there is, there is an opportunity here. Now, there is a, a, a better method with is what you just said, which is yep. really putting your emotions out there. Yep. But I just I wanted to put a quick reminder out there that deep, these types of messaging where it's not scarcity based, it's not fear based, you're actually OK letting someone yep. know you're you're yep. OK breaking up with them or letting yep. them break up with you. Yep. Um, speak to that a little bit. How can we evolve ourselves in this mindset? So a couple of things, a couple of interesting things I've read recently around this topic. One, mm. people are, um, yes, exhausted. Mm. So they're so used to like, they're so used to the question being formed for you to say yes. Like, hey, Ruben, don't, you know, aren't you still interested in going on vacation? Mm. But when you say, hey, Ruben, have you given up on leaving town this year? You're right. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. So we're so conditioned. I mean, and, and it starts, I, again, I have a retail background back going back a ways, but it starts with the minute you walk into a store, right? Is there, is there anything I can help you with? Are you looking for anything? You know, you know, no, you're like, no, 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 no. And that's why the no, re, you know, the, the no uh, jerk reaction, but on email and some other things, most people are putting it in the positive instead of the negative. And um, one of the, I mean, again, one of the great reinforcements of this was never split the difference by Chris Boss, 
amazing negotiation book. And he says in there, he says, you'll get more responses from, hey, Ruben, have you given up on taking a vacation this year? Because your knee-jerk reaction is, oh, oh no, 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 I haven't given up. Because it's like, I basically saying, hey, hey, Ruben, sounds like you're a quitter. <laughs> right? <laughs> Are you quitting? Are you quitting that vacation strategy? I thought you promised, you, you told me you promised your wife that you'd take her somewhere this year. What happened? Like, so and what was the name of this book? Never split the difference. Got it. And, and it's amazing. Chris Boss is a form is the former number one international hostage negotiator for the FBI. So he's taken his FBI strategies, his his, his uh, ransom strategies, and his negotiation strategies, and put them into business context. And so amazing stories, right? So not only are you learning a ton about very high level strategies that aren't that hard to do. But also in a very fun format where he tells you, he starts kind of the chapter off with the, so we were in Nicaragua, <laughs> you know, and an American had been captured. And you're like, oh my gosh. So never split the difference. Chris, it's V-O-S-S, boss. Got it. Yep. What does that mean, never split the difference? So it don't he doesn't believe in 50-50, right? It's a negotiation strategy. Never split the difference. Like, so when, when I say it's 10,000 and you say I'll pay eight and we agree on nine, he doesn't believe in that strategy. Why? Um, he doesn't, because he believes that not everything is that, that not everything has equal value. And so he says like, you know, if I, if my negotiation doesn't go well, people die. And so the difference between like, if, you know, if I paid $5,000 more in ransom, but not paying $5,000 is the cost of a life. How is that? How is that equating? Like, how is that an equal value? And so he said, you know, really talks about like I call it the cost of no agreement. Right. Do you really understand what the cost of no agreement is from each side? Right. And it's interesting because he makes a very interesting point about about people who kidnap people. I'm only I'm only valuable to people who love me. Right. You can't go sell me. He can't sell me to you. You don't care if I live or die. Right. I'm only valuable to. So you only have so many buyers for my life. Right. So it's a very interesting it's a very weird and interesting take on negotiation. Um, but he also like some other two other big quick tips here. Um, we're getting into like some sales strategy, but never like oh, like I call them journalism questions. Right. Because I have a journalism degree from University of Kansas. So who, what, why, when, where and how. But he says from a negotiation standpoint, the only two words you should start with are how or what. The question why is immediately a defensive question, puts people on the defensive basically is challenging their values, systems, whatever. And so the more you can start with a how or what question, and he says, by doing this, it actually puts the onus on them. So, you know, Ruben, like, tell me a little bit about what it is about, you know, your vacation that's causing you to stall out. Now mm -hmm. it's your problem, not my problem. I'm just mm -hmm. seeking to understand, right? Mm-hmm. Very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Super cool. Book. Well, tell me, tell me, uh, where can we learn more about about you and your practices, your business, LinkedIn? Absolutely. So um, LinkedIn for sure. So Christy Jones, K R I S T I E Jones. I'm out of St. Louis, Missouri. And then on my website, I keep a very active blog and resources. So salesaccelerationgroup.com. Uh, go to the blog. I also have a monthly newsletter. So at the bottom of most pages, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter that goes out about the second week of every month. So with new tips and tricks on there as well. So yeah, I'm always posting. I just post, posted this blog post came out this week, the mishire mistake. So talking a lot about how sales leaders 
Um, there are so many different sales jobs. So my question for sales leaders is, do you really understand which sales job your candidate is perfect for? And is it really the one that you're looking for? Mm. Very cool. Well, Chrissy, thank you so much for your time. This was a really great conversation. Uh, we'd like to continue the conversation on LinkedIn. Um, there's a couple of efforts that we always like to do, like co-hosting webinars. So stay tuned for that. We will awesome. be reaching out. Maybe we could do something. That'd be great. And yeah, and thanks again for your time. I encourage everyone to to check out Christy Jones on LinkedIn and then check out her website, salesaccelerationgroup.com. Perfect. Ruben, thank you so much for the opportunity. I had a great time chatting. Thanks so much. Stick around for some notes. Okay.